Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. going on everybody and welcome to the sports beat with richard holdridge i am your host richard holdridge happy to be here on this friday we've got a great show for you had a great show yesterday with eric taylor you might want to check that out that was an incredible interview eric is such an ambassador for soccer and it was one of those episodes where i went in a different direction it was more of a feature piece on a person and his life and his journey through soccer. So check it out on yesterday's podcast. Today I have another great guest. Had him on the show last week. Gabe Reynolds is back on the show. And he is going to bring the fire and passion for his Dallas Cowboys as we will get into the upcoming wild card game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. As many of you know, I am a lifelong San Francisco 49ers fan. It still doesn't feel real. The Georgia Bulldogs winning the national championship, first time since 1980, defeating the Alabama Crimson Tide on Monday night. Excited? Absolutely. Stayed up and watched the game, listened to the postgame, listened to the Paul Feinbaum show the day after. That's always fun. And yet, all the critics that said that Stetson Bennett could not win a national championship, including the famous caller from the Paul Feinbaum show, Legend. He had to hear it from Georgia fans. The Georgia Bulldogs paved the way for college football programs everywhere, and this is the standard now. And yes, Alabama is the favorites to win the national title next year, as the odds-on favorites for the 2022 season just posted. They always do after the end of a national championship. But Georgia has the second best odds. So guess what? There is a possibility that these two teams could meet again in the national championship next year. So my team and Gabe's team had a quite the run in the early 90s as they kept meeting in the NSC championship. And As a kid, I thought they were just going to meet forever because these two were the biggest teams in the NFL during the time, but we'll get into that when I have Gabe on the show. I got some news I want to talk about before I bring Gabe on as a guest. The Hawks trade away Cam Reddish. What is going on in Atlanta? Looks like the Hawks are giving up on the season. They'll go to the lottery, miss the playoffs. Cam Reddish had the biggest ceiling And I thought he had some great games in the Eastern Conference Final against the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Hawks' general manager and their front office are very impatient. They would rather have a first-round pick from the Knicks. Well, if the Knicks make the playoffs, that first-round pick is not going to be a very good pick. 
and Michael Knox, which I have no idea who that is. Yes, they trade away Solomon Hill. Not a fan of his. He played a lot of minutes when I was wondering, huh? Doesn't really put up big numbers. So it looks like they are moving on from Cam Reddish. And now the focus needs to be on DeAndre Hunter. I think he is ready to be a superstar in this league. And I think the Hawks now have a big three. Trey Young, John Collins, and DeAndre Hunter. But it all has to gel together. Is Nate McMillan the right coach? He got the job because he led the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Final as the interim coach last year. So I'm very interested to see how the Hawks handle this season as they're still a talented team, but there's a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that are much better than they were last year, including the Miami Heat, which they got blown out at home on Wednesday night. They take on the Miami Heat once again. That's a team with superstars. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and the Miami Heat got some great role players too, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Remember, this team went to the NBA Finals in 2020. Yes, it was in the bubble, but still, they made it to the Finals. And Tyler Hero had a great game, great series. So the two top teams in the Eastern Conference met over the week. The Brooklyn Nets taking on the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. And Brooklyn had no problem against the Bulls. It's funny how when you get Kyrie Irving... Kevin Durant and James Harden all together. It seems like Brooklyn's unstoppable. Kyrie Irving's not going to play in the home games for Brooklyn. But if Brooklyn can steal one at home, I don't see anybody beating Brooklyn with those three in the lineup. And they should be one of the favorites to go to the NBA Finals. I know last week I was on the show with Gabe. Gabe was on my show last week, and we talked about who we like to go to the NBA Finals, and I picked Chicago. We'll talk about that when he's on the show. Columbus State getting a big win against Young Harris, and they're now 11-3 and on the season. Columbus State will take on Augusta University in Augusta, Georgia, the same team that they defeated at the Lumpkin Center in December. Went to that game. It was a very fun game. Very somber, though, seeing footage. I took videos of the game, and it really got me teared up seeing Anthony Moore on the court for the final time. And I'm very blessed that the team honored him at the next home game. The Columbus River Dragons, they are headed on the road to Port Huron in Michigan to take on the Port Huron Prowlers. They are the hottest team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League And they have a three-game series. Their next home game will be January 21st. So you don't want to miss it. I love River Dragons hockey. Hoping to have Jay Krupp on the show as a guest. And maybe even Sidney Vadney. That would actually be a nice combination of guests. As Sidney Vadney is the defense person. Plays defense for the Columbus Rapids women's team which their home game is going to be this Monday against the Rome Gladiators. That game up in Fayetteville has been postponed because of inclement weather. And so I like to plug other podcasts on this show. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plug my other podcast that I do with Matt Austin. It's called Columbus Rapids Weekly. It's going to be a weekly podcast, obviously, where we will break down the games and interview coaches and players. 
So it should be fun. It's already taken off. There is a fan base in Columbus that are just crazy for the Columbus Rapids. And I can't wait till Monday's game. Kids get in free. It's MLK Day. And we will have most of the kids, if not all the kids in Muskogee County, out of school. So that's gonna, that should be fun. All right. I think it's time to bring on Gabe. So when we come back, I will have Gabe Reynolds on the show. You don't want to miss it. Stick around. Welcome back to the show. This is the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And on the show, I have a special guest. He was on the show last week. We had fun doing that podcast. Gabe Reynolds, welcome back to the show. What's going on, everybody? Richard, appreciate you having me back on. Looking, oh, forward, I... to talk, look, looking forward to talking to some sports today and getting ready to talk about my Cowboys and how we're going to beat your 49ers, baby. Oh, yeah. Gabe is bringing it on the show. As many of you know, I'm a lifelong San Francisco 49ers fan. And we will get into the game. I'm excited because they're meeting in the postseason for the first time since 1994. Actually, 1995, but the 1994 season. And we'll talk about the rivalry and the history. But first, Gabe, there's something on my mind. Of course, Tuesday is usually the show where I talk about Black Monday, all the coaches that are getting fired. And we had some more firings, including New York Giants head coach Joe Judge and Houston Texans head coach David Culley, who only had one season And I just don't think that's fair that you only give a coach one year. The 49ers did this to Jim Tom Sula in 2015. The Cardinals did it to Steve Wilkes. But is this a good idea? Should they just fire Dave Culley? And who are they going to replace him with? Nah, I don't think you can. I don't think you can do that because having one year doesn't give you the opportunity to do anything. You're still trying to get players in. You're still trying to implement your system the whole time. The players are learning since, and then he was a first-year head coach, so it wasn't like uh, this was this this was a uh, you know he was an experienced coach coming in from somewhere else. But you got to give somebody time. You got to give them at least two, maybe three years. You got to get the right players in there to fit the system. Now, in this case, I think they go they're going after uh, Brian Flores. That's who uh, Deshaun Washington said he wanted to play for. Remember, they were trying to trans, uh, trade him to Miami, but they, uh, Miami kept blocking the trade. That makes <laughs> sense. I actually think that Brian Flores would be a good hire. I felt he got an unfair advantage getting let go in Miami. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that the New York Giants are going after Jim Harbaugh and even Russell Wilson as the quarterback? It would be a – I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if Harbaugh is even uh, – here's my thing with Harbaugh. Harbaugh is good, but has everything passed him by? They're getting the pieces back in place and everything. So I, I, I don't know. But if he goes to New York, they got it's hard about the right man for him. Or do you get uh do you get a, a, a offensive innovative innovative coach that could come in and get him the weapons that he needs? Right now, New York doesn't even have a good offensive line. Why would anybody want to go to New York? Uh, yeah, uh, Andrew Thomas, I know he's the the right tackle for um, the Giants. He was selected third overall a couple of years ago. They are banged up on the offensive line. I, I actually think the Giants, uh, Dave Gettleman retiring was the smart move because he, the Giants have not been the same since Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning. Actually, there's a funny joke on uh, NFL memes. I love this website. They post that picture of Odell Beckham Jr. on that boat with all the other Giants. And they said the Giants have had a losing record since that picture. Yeah. Um, nobody, they don't, they don't, 
it's the bright lights of New York. So it's like you're gonna they don't wanna be scripted, but I think in when they took that picture, weren't they going they were going to the playoffs? Well what happened was they, they were the wild card team. They took on Green Bay and they were one of the best defenses that year. They, uh, ben McAdoo's first year as the Giants head coach, they had one of the best defenses. Of course, Eli Manning was on that team, Odell Beckham. Uh, I want to say I can't remember. I just know that that things have things have been falling off for the New York Giants. Which, ever since, yeah, ever since that picture. But but, here, before, but, 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 oh. but let me ask you this. But let me ask you this though: if you go back and look at those New York teams, the Giant teams, they kept saying it was Manning. Manning was getting old. Manning couldn't do this. The gentleman give Manning the receivers that he needed. Odell was hurt on and off throughout the season, but Odell was only one person. They didn't have a strong running back that year. The defense was good have all the right pieces. Then the next year, Odell's out most of the season. Man is still getting beat up. You draft Daniel Jones saying he's going to be the replacement. Basically, Gettleman was getting tired of Manning. You got Barkley, but Barkley's been hurt and beat up. You lost Odell. So – you're still not where you need to be yet. I don't think that fixing getting Harbaugh and getting uh Russell Wilson is gonna fix New York's problems. They're gonna have to go out and get some free agents on the offensive line to get a tight end. They're gonna get another receiver to uh stretch the field and to uh go underneath and get those hard yards across the middle. That's what's gonna fix this problem. Getting a new GM is gonna be first. Now, where do you go get that? Because the GM and the head coach, you know, they're married. To, they're going to be married to each other. Exactly. So do you, hire, do you hire the head coach first with Harbaugh, but then go get a GM that don't like Harbaugh, or do you go get the GM first and let the GM make the hire? I would just not get Thomas Dimitrov or Trent Baalke because they had had their chance as GMs. And I'm telling you, it's, it's like a, it's not a very forgiving league. Uh, when you run a franchise into the ground like Matt Millen did as a GM, it goes noticed in the league. Uh, really, uh, uh, somebody from the scouting department in the Tennessee Titans organization or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Patriots, that's always a place you want to start. Yeah, I agree. And you know, you want to pull from successful franchises because you want to get your, your team successful. You don't want to get a retreat. And that, I, think, I think the league is starting to go away from the retreats. They're trying – they're bringing up. I think there's a there's a female GM uh, candidate uh, for the Giants that is getting in this weekend. She will be one of. She's a, she was in the uh, in the front office, but she'll be the first female GM candidate in the history of the National Football League. That is really cool. Yeah, I mean, she should be more than capable of doing the job, especially being she's been around football all her life i mean she can make the decisions as far as personnel i i hope that they hire him that would be great but we're gonna go ahead and switch gears because you know the national championship happened on monday night and i know you're also a alabama fan a very diehard alabama fan i love the crimson tide i love the georgia bulldogs you called it on last week's show you said that georgia was going to win I yep. actually thought, and I, I'm going to stand by this, I feel if Jamison Williams does not get injured in that game, Alabama wins that game. What do you think? Nope. Nope. I don't even think that. Because the way that Georgia was bringing the pressure 
and was getting to Bryce Young. It didn't matter if Williams or Mitchie were on the field. He had no time in the pocket. They were pinning their ears back, and they were coming at full force. And what they did this time around that they didn't do in the SEC championship game, they were subbing their defensive linemen and keeping them fresh. Alabama wore their defensive linemen down in the SEC championship game. They kept subbing in and keeping them fresh, and they were overpowering and overwhelming Alabama. Alabama could never get that run game going. But when Williams got hurt, it did change a lot because now you didn't have any receivers that, that were a threat. Um, but if you notice, even when Williams – on the play that Williams got hurt, that was probably the first uh, big play that happened. But I think that it was so many other – so many other variables uh, throughout that game that regardless of what was going on, um, Georgia was, was, was going to win that game. That's a, actually a good thought on the game. I'm, I'm happy Georgia won. They exercise the demons. Kirby Smart finally beats Alabama, finally beats Nick Saban. He was 0-4 going into this game. I'm happy for the state of Georgia. We're having a parade on Saturday. And okay. just everybody in the state of Georgia, I was wearing my Georgia sweatshirt. I'm at the grocery store, and this guy just shouts out, go dogs!" <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm throwing my fist. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be part of the state of Georgia. And, and it's great for the program. And what does that tell you about the job that Kirby Smart has done recruiting the right players? Because Georgia's had a top five recruiting class ever since Kirby Smart took over in 2016. But he recruited the right players and the right quarterback. Stetson Bennett was the perfect quarterback for this team. And this is like the first time I've ever seen an average quarterback win a national championship. I think his NFL stock, it went up. After this game, I think there is a place for Stetson Bennett as a backup in the National Football League. I think it's possible for him, maybe as a backup, but I don't see him being in the league long. I think this was his, I would call it his Kurt Warner moment at the college level. Um, because he had he had to bet on himself. He betted on himself. We heard the story how he, you know, he was a walk-on. He went to junior college. He came back. He was still buried down the depth chart. He had to fight for it. So, you know, he, Jake Fromm, you had Justin Fields, and then you had the transfer that came in from Michigan this year. He had all of this stacked against him, and he was in that quarterback room with all of those other guys. So he knew what was going on. He knew the system. He just needed somebody to believe in him. He finally got the right OC and Tom Monk in there said, all right, kid, I'm going to give you a shot. And he got his chance. He never let it go. He never let it go. The fans kind of wavered on him a little bit, but his teammates never wavered on him. And he never gave up on himself. Kirby did a good job. Kirby, he learned, you know, you, you learn from the best and you, you know, you you take what you learn and you apply it to yourself. You know, some people say, you know, he made uh, Alabama East. And I'm like, no, he just remade Georgia. Georgia was always a good program. Georgia has been a good program for years. They just never could get over the hump. They would get to the SEC championship game. You just needed a, another person to get you over that hump. And when Kirby came in, he just changed the mindset. Being a defensive coach and actually being an alumnus of the school, he took pride in that. So for him, it was all about pride. You wasn't just getting somebody off the street to come in and say, hey, I'm a Georgia Bulldog, I'm the head coach. Like, no, he played there. He knows what it's like. He's been through the the down years, the lean years. He's heard the 41-year frustration and the drought. And we haven't won a championship since 1980. So 
He, he took pride in all of this. He, he really wanted this, and he wanted his players to do it. And, you know, you got – they just signed 22 players this year. That, and those those guys played in the uh, in the, in the Under Armour All-American game in the All-American Bowl from high school. And so these kids want to come to Georgia because they want to play for him because of the energy and everything that he brings. Like, this ain't the last you're going to hear about about Georgia and Kirby Smart in the, uh, in the college football playoffs. No disrespect to Tennessee, Alabama, Florida – Texas A&M, LSU, but the sun is starting to set on Alabama and the sun is rising and it's starting to get to the top on Georgia. So Georgia's going to be that next program. It's not going to be a, a three-year swing like Clemson. Like Georgia's here to stay and they're going to they're gonna be knocking on doors for, for a while now. He's going to get some people fired. Maybe or, or, or people going to leave because they don't want to deal with that juggernaut with them Georgia Bulldogs. And that's one of the reasons why Lincoln Riley uh, jumped ship and went to the Pac-12 to go coach at USC, because he knows the gauntlet that's about to face him if he stayed at Oklahoma, as they will make it their transition to the SEC in 2026. I would want to play with the best. I, I'm like everybody else. Like if I got, to, if I had the opportunity to be a, a head coach in the SEC, I'm I'm taking it. I'm not taking Vanderbilt, but I'm taking somebody yeah. in the SEC. Because I just want to be there. Look at look at uh, Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Nobody thought of Kentucky as a football school. Mark Stoops done went up there and then put his he done put his staff on the program. He got a top ten recruiting class this year. Tennessee. He, he he's he's up there. He's out recruiting Tennessee. He beat Florida. He gave Georgia a run for their money. So you know they finished number two in the, in the East this year. He had a chance to leave. No, he said I'm gonna stay right here. I done put my staff on this program. I'm going to see it all the way through. So if you're going to come down there into the into SEC country, you got to bring it. That's the difference between the 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 Big Ten and the ACC and the, and the Big 12. You got one or two schools over there that you only got to compete with. In the SEC, that's like the NFL or college. You got to bring it week in and week out. Well, that's one of the reasons why James Franklin is a hot head coaching candidate because – and from 2011 to 2013, he coached at Vanderbilt for three seasons. Check this out. A 24-15 and 15 record at Vanderbilt, 11-13 and 13 in conference. 2011, he went 6-7. and seven. They lost the Liberty Bowl. Okay, that was his first year. 9-4 in 2012 with a bowl win and an AP top 23 finish. Went 5-3 and three in the SEC. 5-3. and three. You know you have to beat in the SEC East to go five and three. I think they, yeah, I believe they beat Georgia that year. I'll have to look at the record book. And then 2013 went nine and four again with a bull win and a top 25 finish. So James Franklin, if he could do it at Vanderbilt, he could come back into the SEC and coach. There's no doubt. He could, but I look at Franklin like. You know, he's a he's a hot name, but ever since he's left Vanderbilt, he really hasn't been able to get over the hump at Penn State. You know, you you got to the you got to the the Big Ten championship, but you didn't win it. So where would you go? Like, because none of the big programs are going to hire you down there unless you go to a Missouri or a South Carolina or a Mississippi State. So you're still going to be you're going to have a little bit better facilities and a little bit better talent talent pool to pull from, but can you still come back into the SEC and be the Alabama, the Florida, the Georgia? Tennessee is on the rise again with Josh Heupel. Florida's going to be coming back with Billy Napier 
LSU is gonna be is gonna be trending back up with Brian Kelly. So is it the right time? Can he come back and and, and duplicate the magic again? That's that that's a that's a that's a tricky slope now. The SEC has changed so much from when he left uh Vanderbilt in twenty thirteen and went to Penn State. That is very true. He did coach at Vanderbilt nearly ten years ago. But switching gears, Gabe, we're gonna talk about this upcoming NFL playoff matchup between your Dallas Cowboys and my San Francisco 49ers. I've been dreaming this moment ever since I was in high school. So in the nineties, our two teams went at it. In fact, there's a NFL timeline special documentaries, America's team. Obviously Dallas Cowboys is known as America's team. They met in the 1992, 93 and 94 NFC Championship games. Of course, it was in the following year, but it was that season. So the 49ers coming into this game in 1992, the transition has already been made, that they went to Steve Young rather than Joe Montana. The 49ers were 14-2, and two, had home field advantage, taking on the Dallas Cowboys, who I believe they were 13-3 and three that year. The Dallas yep. Cowboys were not proven yet. They did win a playoff game against actually they went to the playoffs the following year against the Detroit Lions I remember them losing to the Lions because the Lions played the we'll call them the Washington football team that won the Super Bowl in 92 that that was pretty good I, I just I cannot say that other name and yeah yeah, even, yeah. Though even though they're going to have a new name probably by the end of the month and so, not that thing. <laughs> no it'll, it'll be like the generals or the admirals or something it, it'll be something cool so the Dallas Cowboys, I remember this game watching it because my brother-in-law's a Cowboys fan. We watched it, and it was bigger than the Super Bowl. And the Cowboys came in to San Francisco, soggy candlestick park, and pretty much punched the 49ers in the mouth. I know it started off great for 49ers fan. Jerry Rice got that touchdown. I cheered. I was excited. But wait, there was a flag on the play. It was a holding penalty. Dallas could do whatever they want with Michael Irvin as the as the wide receiver. They gave the ball to Emmitt Smith. That offensive line, the Great Wall of Dallas, which is another documentary about how great that Cowboys offensive line. It is really the architect was Jimmy Johnson. Would you yeah. agree? I mean, it your your team formed this incredible dynasty that could have went on even further if Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson did not have that those differences and Jimmy Johnson was fired and in comes Barry Switzer. So, you know, everybody says that Jerry put the team together. I mean, not Jerry, Jimmy put the team together and that's what made Jerry, uh, jealous at that time. And in, in that stage of, uh, of his tenure, Jerry Jones was, you know, he was, he was an ego. He was an egomaniac. He was very egotistical and he did not, he, he was, he was saying he wasn't getting the credit. He was the owner and the GM of the team, so technically the GM put that team together. Uh, but he didn't get executive of the year. He didn't get any credit on it. They won They won the Super Bowl. Uh, they brought the same team back next year. Emmitt Smith held out uh, because he wanted a new contract. They finally got him a new contract. Uh, he came back and, and, and started playing. And, you know, they, they, they ran it back and won it again. It was the it was the ego of Jerry Jones that that broke up that dynasty. Yeah, you could have you yeah you got rid of Jimmy Johnson. You brought in Barry Switzer. He could have he could have hired you and me, and as long as we didn't 
didn't touch nothing, we would have won a championship too. Because it was that that team was was just that good. And then you add in Deion Sanders because he came from the 49ers the year oh, that boy. the 49ers won the championship in 94. He came over in 95, and it was like you just added a, 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 an extra piece, so it, you didn't do anything else. But those games back then between the 49ers and, and the Cowboys, man, now when I tell you, that was a rivalry. That was the ga- that was where you, you talk about best on best in the changing of the guard. You got Jerry Rice. You got Joe Montana. You got Steve Young. You got Ronnie Lott. You got all these guys on the 49ers, and you know about their dynasty. You got Bill Walsh, and they're, they're just up and down the field, up and down the field. And you got these upstarts and these newcomers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Branch and Brave Dallas Cowboys. That first year that they won, it was – we were all shocked because the year before, we lost to the, we lost to the 49ers. So when we got over that hump, we were like, cool, we, we'd have made it. That was our Super Bowl was the NFC Championship game. We get in this Super Bowl, we can just play loose. And that's exactly what they did against the Buffalo Bills. They routed them. And Buffalo then the didn't next have a chance. Year, nope, not at all. And then next year, you had to go through that same mountain again. But I think this time they had the game at home. They went, they went Texas Stadium. You didn't have to go to Candlestick Park. You held it because this time you would have hunted. There was no pressure on the 49ers. So the, 40, the 49ers came to play, but the Cowboys pulled it out. And then they went back to the Super Bowl. Buffalo gave them their best chance, and and, and, and you, you won back-to-back. But, you know, after that, then you started losing players. I think we lost uh, Charles Harper. Haley. Albert we lost Harper. Albert Harper. We lost Charles Haley. Uh, we lost Leon Lett. But, you know, it's, it was there. And since then, you got to look. Voltic. After that, after that 90, I want to say the 95, 96 year, the Cowboys, the Cowboys and the Niners went through that, through that dark spell. The the 49ers made the Super Bowl with with Harbaugh in the in, in the Harbaugh what was it the Harbaugh Bowl uh several years ago yes but the, the Cow- famous uh, the famous yep. blackout bowl in uh, yep. at the Superdome in New Orleans yep but the Cowboys never recovered they never got back over the hump so I, I I'm looking forward to this game this weekend you know let's talk about some of these let's talk about some of these stars that we got today you got Debo Samuels. For the 49ers. And with a name like Debo, and I, I went to the game when the 49ers played the uh, Titans here at, uh, at Nissan Stadium. Debo runs angry. He plays angry. When he gets the ball and starts running, he run, he's going to run through you. He ain't trying to trying to ease up. He's trying to hurt you. Like, the, the man is possessed. And you line a receiver up at many positions to get him the ball. You got Kittle. One of the elite tight ends in the NFL today. You got Jimmy G, but then you got um, you got you know if Jimmy G's okay, you got a decent quarterback. But is this his last go around? Because you just drafted Trey Lance. Are you gonna hand the ball off to him and let him take over? You 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 don't know. And then you know the 49ers defense. Which defense is gonna show up? Because against the Titans. You shut them out in the first half, and then in the second half, you kind of got laxed, and, and the Titans the Titans offense woke up and just ran up and down the field on you. So, which 49ers team is going to show up? And then you got the Cowboys. You got you got Dak. You got Zeke. You got Coop. You got Cedric Wilson. C.D. Lamb. You got a lot of pieces that mimic 
the Cowboys of the 90s. You got a defense that's, that's starting to come around. Can you put it all together and finish? That's the thing. You got to finish the job this year. Like Michael Irvin would say, you got the pieces this year, turn. You got to finish it. Ain't nobody going to give you nothing when you get to the playoffs. You got to go get it. That is very true. Let's talk about that Cowboys defense led by defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. I love the matchup. Dan Quinn going up against Kyle Shanahan. These two coaches were the cornerstone of the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl run, so something's got to give. I'm not saying that it was all on Dan Quinn for blowing that 28-3 lead. Probably a little bit more on Kyle Shanahan. But one stat that I'm looking at, when he does not throw an interception, Jimmy Garoppolo does not lose. The Dallas Cowboys lead the NFL with 26 interceptions, including, I believe, 10 from Travion Diggs. Something's got to give here, Gabe, uh, because if the Cowboys do force turnovers, they have a really good shot at winning this game. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the defense, the the, the secondary for the Cowboys has been big this year. You know, uh, Diggs coming in as a rookie and and producing like that, nobody, nobody expected him to come in and have that big of an impact on that on on the defensive side of the ball here. I would bet that they're gonna match him up on Debo Samuels. They're gonna put digs on Samuels and they're gonna probably give him a little bit of a safety help over the top, but for the most part, he's gonna be one on one. And he's gonna have he's gonna have it. The thing is gonna be can you get pressure on Jimmy G and force him into making a bad throw. Because if you can get pressure on him then that benefits the Cowboys. If the 49ers offensive line holds Pat and the Cowboys can't get pressure, then it benefits the 49ers. You know, you're going to put um, the rookie linebacker. He's probably going to have – he's probably going to have to uh, – Michael Parsons, he's going to have to be on Kittle a lot of the time. Santa, like you said, Shanahan and Quinn, they know each other. They work together. They coach together. They, they coach against each other in practice. So – a little bit of gamesmanship, they're going to know what the other person's thinking. They're going to know what the other person's going to do. So it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a chess match. It, it, it's going to be exciting. And I will say this, even though this game is going to be played in Dallas, the last time that the 49ers went to Dallas two seasons ago, the 49ers beat the Cowboys and it was a pro 49er crowd. That was, it was 60, 40 red. In that stadium. Wow. Yeah, I I do remember the 49ers beating the Cowboys. We can let's talk about this, Riley. I just want to finish up this rally. Of course, the 49ers were able to ride the ship, win the Super Bowl in '95. And it was really because they bought their team, because they were tired of losing to the Cowboys in the NFC championship. Then in '96, they don't make it back because they lose to the Packers. So now we have an up-and-coming new team that's trying to threaten this rivalry that I thought was going to just run through the 90s. And both teams struggled in the 2000s. Do you remember the famous T.O. going to the Star game in 2000? Yes, yes, I remember that game. Oh, man, you talk about you talk about some people being pissed off. Woo. Yeah, that, 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 that was, made them that mad. Was, that was – you talking about firing up a crowd, firing up a fan base? Yeah, that was that was something right there. That was something. So I, I actually think, and I, I used to very dislike the Cowboys as a kid. Now, as I've grown older, 
I realize that I respect what the Cowboys stand for in this country. They're America's team. The rate they move the ratings needle. Everybody watches the Cowboys. You have fan bases from just about everywhere. I'm guessing you're not from Dallas, Texas. So you're you're a Cowboys fan, but you're not from Dallas. So that's just living proof that the Cowboy fan base is everywhere in this country. So I, being from Memphis, we didn't. And this was before the Titans even moved to uh, Tennessee. The Cowboys were the closest uh, NFL franchise to us. You know, you had New Orleans, but. For at that at that point in time, New Orleans wasn't like you know they had a a, a few fans, but not fans in the in the mid south area. So everybody was a was a Dallas Cowboy fan because the the road I forty uh, to I twenty going to Dallas was a lot easier than taking I fifty five down to New Orleans. So growing up growing up a Cowboys fan, uh, liking that 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 blue and that white. Uh, you 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 just you just gravitated toward the star, and, and like you said, the Cowboys they move the needle. Whether you love them or hate them, everybody talks about the Cowboys because they always give you something to talk about. Whether it's the scandals, it's the the firings, it's Jerry Jones saying out of the blue, or you just uh, Tony Romo coming out of nowhere, or, or not being able to get over the hump, getting to the championship game, and and and, and them Tony Romo messing up the hold on the, on the kick. Anything, and, it's always something. Des Bryant not catching. No, Des Bryant's non-catch against Green Bay. Des caught the ball. Des caught the ball. The referees messed it up. They they, they changed the rule the next year. Des caught the ball. He held on to it. We, that that was a catch. Oh, absolutely. But it, it, it was a it, catch. It's, it's always it's always something that's going to move the needle when it comes to the Cowboys. So love them or hate them. They can win two games, but the Cowboys are always going to be on, on the top of the newscast. All right, so let's go ahead and preview this game because I think this is going to be the game that gets a huge rating. 49ers and Cowboys on Sunday at 430. It's the CBS game, the wild card game. They meet in the postseason for the first time since the 1994 season. And myself and Gabe could not be more excited about this game. The 49ers come in. In a do-or-die situation, they had to beat the Rams to make the playoffs, and they were down 17 to nothing in this game. They were scoreboard watching. The Saints were just pummeling the Falcons. Boy, I tell you, I was so disappointed in the Atlanta Falcons. They did not do us any favors. The 49ers had to reach into their will and try to fight to claw their way back in to win that game. They win it in overtime to defeat the Rams to make the playoffs. And their next opponent is going to be the Dallas Cowboys, which the Cowboys had a very good season. But Gabe, I'm I'm a little concerned. Six and zero versus the NFC East, and six and five versus the rest of the league. They did lose to Arizona at home. They're still a good team. I, don't get me wrong. That Dak Prescott should be get comeback player of the year because of what he did to come back from that injury. But I'm just – and this is coming from an, an outside person. I know you're a Cowboys fan. They paid all that money to Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm not sure if he was worth all that money because I think at times Tony Pollard actually will get more yards per carry than Zeke. That's the key for the Cowboys is I still think they could win this game, but this is the last team that the Cowboys want to play the first round of the playoffs. They are the last team that they want to play, but the 49ers are coming in with some discrepancies and injury at 
at, at the quarterback position. Are you going to play Trey Lance or is it going to be Jimmy G? Is his thumb healthy? Can he spin the ball and get the ball out there to uh to Debo and can he get it out there to Kittle? Um, I, I agree. You know, I don't. I'm not a I'm not a huge Zeke fan, but you know when Zeke when Zeke is on, he's on. I like Tony Pollard. Um, Coop, Amari Cooper has really really let me down a lot. Ceedee Lamb is up and down, but I will say this. It's two people on the Cowboys offense that that are going to be the X factors in this game, and they both got Memphis ties. Tony Pollard is one, played at the University of Memphis running back, and Cedric Wilson is the other, son of Cedric Wilson Sr., who played for the University of Tennessee Volunteers on that 98 uh, national championship team and also played with his, uh, play, his dad played for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the 49ers. Cedric Wilson Jr. went to my high school alma mater, White Station High School, and then went to Boise State. And he's been catching passes left and right more than C.D. Lamb, more than Amari Cooper. He's going to be the X factor in this game because he gives them a whole nother dynamic in the open field. And he can take the top off and he can stretch the feet. And that's all that's, that's all that those two players right there open up the running game and they open up the passing game. So you get, if, if that gets time and can get the ball to those two playmakers and then it opens it up for his main playmakers, then the 49ers are going to be in for a long day. I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. Cowboys, 35, 49ers, 30. Wow. So you've heard it from Gabe Reynolds. He's making a prediction. He is picking his lifelong Cowboys. Uh, that's a good pick, Gabe. They are at home. They are a three-point favorite. But usually when you're a three-point favorite, it's a pick'em game, and they're getting the three points because they're playing at home. I want the 49ers to win this game more than anything. Of course, I'm a huge 49ers fan. I'm just happy that the 49ers made it to the playoffs. It's going to be a great matchup. But if the 49ers do what they're supposed to if they get a lead in this game, and if they run the football, with that's what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. The health of Elijah Mitchell, they're getting Trey Sermon back. They're going to utilize Debo Samuel in the run game. George Kittle likes to block. I don't think he's going to put up big tight end numbers. And Trent Williams, the best left tackle in all of football, is coming back from injury. Dre Greenlaw will be back. They have a healthy Nick Bosa, a healthy Fred Warner. I'm going to say the 49ers are going to win 24-21. Is it going to be a last-second field goal, or they're going, to, they're going to kick the field goal, and then the Cowboys are going to drive down and not, and not get a chance to, uh, to get in scoring position? Which, I'm, going to be, which way you going I'm going to be bold on this. Cowboys take the lead 21-17 with about a minute to go, and Jimmy Garoppolo has no timeouts and marches down the field to uh, score with pretty much no time left on the clock to give Dak Prescott a chance to go into field goal range. Okay, okay. That's I don't think that's going to happen, I, I gonna happen but, no, but I, I, know. I, I, I like your boldness with that. I like your boldness with that. that that's going to uh, – you know, if it does happen, I'm just going to get on and just pump my chest and be like, yeah, but um, we'll, let's talk about it after this game. So whoever, whoever wins this game, Cowboys right now, they're number three seed. If, if it's chalk in the NFC – the Cowboys would have to travel to Tampa to take on Tom Brady. If the 49ers win, depending on what happens in that Eagles-Buccaneers game, the 49ers have to go to Green Bay. So it's going to be a very tough road for the 49ers to get back to the Super Bowl. I like Dallas's chances if 
they get past the 49ers, they have to play Tom Brady and the Bucks. But- I, 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 I like that. I, I like the Cowboys' chances. But I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I still say you can't bet – you can never bet against Tom Brady. Even though he doesn't have his – he doesn't have his receivers, not A.B. We're we not talking about uh, – he doesn't have, you know, Godwin's out. I think uh, Evans is coming back. He still got Gronk. So you still, you still can't bet against him. But what the Cowboys can take out of this, they opened the season this year at Tampa Bay. So they know – they already have familiarity with them and they know what's going to – what they're going to expect when they go down there. If the Cowboys, if the Cowboys can get past uh, the 49ers and and uh, Tampa Bay takes their does their job and the, and the Cowboys and the and the uh, Buccaneers play and the Cowboys can get past the Buccaneers, we want Green Bay. We want to go back to Green Bay. We're gonna take. We're gonna go back up there with the same mindset because Dez Cody. Packer fans know that Dez Cody. We still ain't forget. We're gonna throw them X's up. And we're gonna exercise that demon over there too. This is a revenge tour. If Georgia can win the can win the college football national championship after 41 years, then the Dallas Cowboys, you on the clock. It's your time to do it too. Everybody's everybody's in the drafts this year. Everybody's in the drafts, and the Cowboys gonna end drafts this year too. I'm calling it. Cowboys to the Super Bowl. It's the Cowboys versus the Titans. Titans up because the Titans gonna win the Super Bowl and they're gonna bring it back to Nashville. That's what we're doing this year. Gabe, I love the passion and fire that you brought to the show. Uh, that would be huge for just – that would be like the the biggest sports story this year if the Cowboys were to win the Super Bowl. And it, it, all, all eyes would be on the Super Bowl. It would be the highest rated Super Bowl of all time if the Cowboys are in it because, you know, the numbers are so much higher than they were 30 years ago. True. Gabe, Gabe I really appreciate you being on the show, and uh, thank you for strolling down memory lane with me as far as this rivalry, which we could have went further through this rivalry. We could have talked about the early seventies. We could have talked about Dwight Clark and the catch. We could have talked about how the 49ers had Dion go to the Cowboys. Now, a funny story about Dion Sanders. All right. So when I was a kid and I found out that he signed with the Cowboys from the 49ers, I was sick to my stomach. And, <laughs> At the time, Dion was a player in baseball for the San Francisco Giants because they made a big trade to get Dion to the 49ers. No, for Dion to get Dion to the San Francisco Giants for the 1995 season. And so at one point, he was playing for the 49ers and playing for the Giants, like he did play for the Braves and the Falcons in the early 90s. So as a kid, I, I couldn't be happier that Dion Sanders is playing for my two favorite football and baseball teams respectively i i don't remember but people were saying that when they found out that dion went to the cowboys Susie came up to the plate at candlestick park for the san francisco giants he did get booed i, I want to say he did I, I gotta find out if there's video footage of that it did not work out for him playing for the san francisco giants because he was now a cornerback for the dallas cowboys yeah, you know, like it's, you, you, you're going to the enemy. You know, yeah, you playing for the hometown team in one sport, but San Francisco will always be a 49ers town, regardless of what the Giants are doing or how good the Giants are. San Francisco will always be a 49ers town, just like Atlanta will always be Braves country. 
no matter what, how good the Falcons are, Atlanta will always be Braves country. And so we are pretty much having a great time here in the state of Georgia because after the Braves winning the World Series and Georgia winning the national championship, most of the casual sports fans, most of the sports fans here in Georgia are on cloud nine. Gabe, I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Is there any other uh, comments that you want to add before we close? Well, I want to get your thoughts on this right here. And I know, you know, this, this, this we, we, we talked the whole, you know, we were talking about the Niners and the Cowboys, but give me your thoughts on the Titans being the number one seed and going in and getting Derrick Henry, the king, returning for the divisional rank. What are your thoughts on that? I feel, well, first of all, I, I think that uh, Cincinnati beats the, the Raiders. Um, if the Patriots beat Buffalo tomorrow, the Patriots are going to go to Nashville to take on the Titans. I don't know, Gabe. Bill Belichick, I know he's got Mac Jones, but they beat the Titans earlier in the regular season. That's a tough matchup to have to face Bill Belichick in the playoffs. But let, me I, give you a, I, let, me, let me give you a stat. Let me give you a stat. Since Mike Vrabel has been the head coach of the Titans, he is 8-0 coming off a bye. 8-0 coming off any type of bye in the four years that he's been the Titans head coach. Remember that. So I think that Tennessee at least has a clear path to the AFC Championship. But the one team, and we talked about this last week, the one team that could give them fits could be Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, here's the thing, though. The, the Titans, the defense is starting to come together. The offense is starting to click. So one thing that they were saying, Tannehill and, and Julio Jones didn't have much of a connection. They've spent the last two weeks, the Texans game and this week, building that connection. So now you can't just key in on A.J. Brown. You can't just key in on A.J. Brown because now you got to respect Julio. And then you got the king coming back, Derrick Henry. But here's the thing. Foreman, who has been getting reps and been getting for good production ever since Henry's been out, now you got a two-headed running back. You got a two-headed monster at running back. You got Furster at tight end. And then you got you getting a, a great pass rush on the defensive side. So, and the Titans have beaten Kansas City before. So, it's not like they've never beaten Kansas City at all. They've beaten them before. So, this is the, this, this, this may be the year because all roads come through Nashville. So, if Nashville can hold, if the Titans can hold serve and the, they can go, they can use this, this momentum and ride it to the Super Bowl. I do think the Titans have an easy path to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I want to ask you your final thoughts. So let's switch gears. How'd you feel about the Atlanta Hawks trading away Cam Reddish? Woo. Um, I told you the other day, nobody, nobody's untouchable. They traded away Cam, so this leads me to believe they putting all their eggs in the basket of Trey Young. But trading away Cam, Trey don't have no help. So, this draft, this upcoming NBA draft is not a not a deep draft. It's not a real deep draft. But that also lets me know that, that Trey Young is also expendable. Because if you just traded away Cam Cam Reddish and you send him to the Knicks, 
and you didn't really get nothing in return but a second round draft pick. I don't, I don't know what the thoughts are in that front office of what they're doing. If I'm Nate McMillan. I'm, I'm looking. At, I'm looking. At, uh, I'm looking for an exit strategy. That's a good pick. Well, I also liked your pick for Brooklyn. As we got on the show last week, and I talked about, oh, I think the Chicago Bulls are going to go to the NBA Finals. Well, I take that back because Brooklyn went into Chicago this week. They had Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden all healthy, and they waxed the floor with the Chicago Bulls, pumping their chest. We're still the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. So I really liked your pick last week. I changed yeah. my mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I mean, it's, it's still early. Um, you know, it's all about seeding. Uh, if they, if they, it, it all, you know, you look at you look at the Bucks last year. They they got a they got a favorable draw. Um, they, um, it is. It, they got a favorable draw, so it, it just depends. Once you get into the playoffs, anything anything can happen. I think the top four are going to be Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Chicago, Philadelphia in the East, uh, Golden State, Phoenix, Memphis, Utah in the West. Dallas will be Dallas will be on the, right on the outside. Those are really good picks, Gabe. Memphis, one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now with 11 straight wins. They are currently the third seed in the Western Conference. I'm a little concerned about Golden State losing two straight. Uh, Clay Thompson returned to the lineup, but he's trying to get back into the form and the rotation, and that's why Golden State lost a couple of games, and they're now two games behind Phoenix in the Western Conference. Gabe, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and bringing your passion not only for football, but we talked a little basketball as well. And so that's always fun. I really appreciate it. And and I'd love for you to come back on the podcast and uh, start becoming a regular as I got. I'm starting to get a lineup of guests. Uh, Rob Frazier is going to be on the podcast on Monday and Brad Page is going to be on the podcast Thursday. I had Eric Taylor on yesterday and I don't know if you caught that, but that that was more of a uh, a personality feature because he's a good guy, and we were talking about him bringing soccer to Freed Hardman. Oh, and that's another man thing I forgot to mention, Gabe. Did you know that the Freed Hardman Lions knocked off the team that won the NAIA title last night? No, was that uh, Swanee State? Swanee State, yes. The Freed Hardman Lions defeated Swanee State last nice. night. Nice. Okay. Hey, hey, things are changing down there. Okay. Things are changing at Freed Artiman. We got we to gotta give Freed Artiman. We got to give, give Freed Artiman the love every time we can, man. Oh, and I absolutely get, will. We, we got we to get that podcast going for them, too, and get their information out there to the, alum, the alumni and everybody else. Let's show them some love because Freed Artiman gave us both our start in, in a lot of ways. I, I would, Gabe, I would love to start a podcast with you where we just dedicate towards Freed Harbin Athletics. Hey, let's, let's look into that. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you, Gabe Reynolds, for being on the show. And uh, I'll see you. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Thank you, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit this Not, a, not a problem, man. Appreciate, appreciate you having me on, Richard, man. Hey, let's get, it's going to be a good good weekend to watch some football. Uh Hey, hey, it's going to be a great game between the 49ers and the Cowboys. 
regardless of whoever wins, man, hey, I hope you I hope hope to be back to talk more football and more basketball with you in the future. Absolutely. Thanks again, Gabe. All right, man. Stay safe. All right. That was Gabe Reynolds on the Sports Beat. Thank you for all my listeners that download my podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe to my Facebook channel. And I'm also on Apple Podcasts. Write a comment. I love your feedback. And if you're interested in being a guest, you can inbox me on my Facebook page. I love having guests. I feel like the guest shows are so much better than the shows where I get on and just do the hot sports take and talk about what's going on in the world of sports. And we're really growing very much here on the sports beat. We're coming up on my 300th episode and a two year anniversary. So thanks once again. And I hope everybody has a great weekend and I will talk to you Monday. Bye everybody. You've been listening to the sports beat with Richard Holdred. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on anchor, Spotify, Google cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.